Studio. I think over time people are looking for authenticity in the voice. You know, I feel in a world of abundant content, uh, people can smell uh, salesman from miles. So one of the things I would say is try and keep the editorial integrity and keep the authenticity in the voice as you go on the journey. Because finally, people come to you because they trust you, and they need to trust the intent behind why you're doing it. So try and keep the front front and center, and try and ensure. the audience does not lose faith in that why hello and welcome back to podcast unfiltered a podcast about creating podcasts and amazing podcasters i'm your host vijay gautam For the past 4 years I have had the opportunity to produce tons of shows and learn from some of the most amazing creators of the country. Podcast Unfiltered is my attempt to give you a sneak peek into the creative process of some of the most iconic podcasters of the country and bring forth insights that's shaping the podcast industry in India today. If you do a long form interview based podcast have you ever wondered how can you make the nuggets from your podcast episodes more accessible to your listeners our listeners not always have the time to consume really long episodes and if they do and like a certain segment of your podcast and want to refer to it later the only way to do so is they have to go through it all over again there is no way they just can listen to that segment of your episode they liked the most one way of doing that is by creating audiograms and sharing them on social media or on youtube often the challenge with this is it can get messy and difficult for people to navigate through them my today's guest deepak jayaraman has figured out a way to organize these nuggets of wisdom so that listeners can listen to these short clips based on themes He has released 74 episodes of his show Play to Potential but also he has released 644 odd short clips pulled out of these 74 episodes and he has created playlist on his website for people to listen to different perspectives from different guests on same topic sounds interesting right in this episode we'll dive deep into his process of creating these playlists Deepak Jayaraman is an executive coach and CEO of Transition Insights where he works with successful senior executives and helps them play to their unique potential. In his podcast Play to Potential, Deepak holds interesting conversations with thought leaders on the topics around leadership, transitions and careers. The show was awarded as podcast of the year by Digipub in 2018. Now without further ado, Let's jump in. Deepak, thank you so much for joining. Thank you Vijay for having me on the podcast. Awesome. So, it's been a while since we have been in a conversation and talking about podcast and it's always great to learn from each other and you know I have learned a ton from you from your podcasting journey. So, I want to jump straight into this Deepak. 72 episodes, 644 clips. 
I mean, that's insane amount of work, right? 72 episodes and 644 clips. And these are not just the clips which, you know, you would cut and put it out there. For each of these 644 clips that you have, you have an intro and you have summarized these clips with your own takeaways from those clips. What's the thought process behind that? Thank you, Vijay. And before I dive in, first of all, thanks so much for all your inputs along the way. You know, in the last four years, there have been at least multiple occasions where you've been a good uh, sounding board for me as I've sort of uh, tried to raise the game in my podcast. So thank you for all the support. Thanks for noticing the nuggets. It started out given a couple of reasons. One is when I started doing the podcast about four odd years back, I realized that in general, given that a lot of my target audience is people who are uh, senior, that's uh, mid-management and senior management in companies, I realized that their attention spans uh, were quite limited, number one. So I said, you know, if I had a 45, 50 minute conversation or beyond, the odds of my capturing their attention would be limited. So that was context number one. Second is I also realized that most of the content world over, whether it's video interviews or audio interviews, is organized by speaker, which is 10 things that one person said. Yeah. Somehow I felt... You know, here are 10 different perspectives on one thing you care about might be more relevant. If I took the example of, let's say, how we listen to music, you know, 20, 30 years back, we'd buy an audio cassette or a CD from a movie and we'd listen to six, eight, 10 songs from that movie. But now if you went to Spotify, you could say, play the romantic songs of the 70s or the rock songs of the 80s and so on. So I felt if there was a way in which I could miniaturize my content, A, I would be able to capture people's attention. Second, I'd be able to have small pieces and I I could sort of create multiple playlists by themes, which could be of uh, value to different people. And I also realized, Vijay, that my conversation, uh, different parts of the conversation appeals to different people. For example, one of the people I spoke to in my podcast was uh, Nandan Elikini. You know, he used to be the chairman of Infosys. He moved on to start the UID program, the Aadhaar program, and then he tried his uh, hand at uh, politics in Lok Sabha, and then he became a catalyst in the startup world. And I realized that different elements of his life would appeal to different people. For example, Mm -hmm. in one of the elements of the conversation, we talk about how would you pick co-founders? Now, that might be relevant to somebody in their 20s and 30s or 40s, entrepreneurs who are starting up. But how do you lead a company like Infosys might be relevant for somebody who's leading a much bigger company. So I realized that I was creating in one conversation for different parts of the conversation, I felt I had different target customers. And I said, Mm -hmm. if I can break it down, then uh, I could sort of cater to creating content by customer segment over time. So it wasn't, I mean, some of this is hindsight. I hadn't thought of all these things when I started out, but Mm -hmm. uh, those are some of the reasons behind why I feel I find it useful. I think that's a really great way to kind of segregate, you know, ideas and insight based on the themes because on one topic, you get to hear multiple perspectives and you don't have to make one person's viewpoint, maybe, you know, your own worldview, right? Because then you have a different, same topic is now being looked from the different lenses and you kind of, you know, get a lot of perspective on that, right? So, but, in the hindsight, if you look at the amount of work that you have to put it, that's number one. And the other thing also from the publishing side of things, none of the apps actually support the playlist kind of a thing within the podcast. We'll talk about that a little later. But 
when you have the entire conversation, just break down the process for us. How do you go about it? I think maybe before I answer the question head on, to answer one of your points, at least one thing I told myself when I set out on this journey is to create content which which has a longer shelf life. You know, if I create, if I publish a podcast, hopefully, you know, one of my earlier mentors said, you should think of yourself like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime, where people should care about the library more than which film got added to the library yesterday. So to that extent, uh, at least as a guiding principle, I feel I'm focusing more on the collective rather than the individual. So I'm less concerned about how well my last episode did, but more concerned about what's the quality of the library of insights I'm putting together. That sort of context uh, I want to place on the table. In terms of the process, which I, you know, there are multiple steps, right? One is you know, if I take each con- life cycle of a podcast conversation, right? One is figuring out who I should talk to. That often is guided by my curiosity. One thing I tell myself is the first and foremost customer of this podcast is me, right? So in a way, and you know, it's almost like uh, I say that you know, if, if there is one person who is most inspired by the inspiring talk of the podcast that I do, and that's me. So yeah, completely agree with you. In a way, I tell people, even if nobody listened to it, I feel I'm much wiser having had these conversations over the last four years. I would do it anyway. So I try and keep that front and center. So I let my curiosity drive the next guest, right? What are the kinds of topics I'm trying to get better at? What are the kinds of topics I'm trying to, you know, improve my perspectives? So the three hashtags, if you will, that I'm staying curious around are leadership, transitions, and careers, right? I feel the two questions leaders grapple with as they go through the journey are where to go and how to grow. You know, where to go is when you have a fork in the road, you say, which path do I take? For example, even for you, right? At the time you started the journey as a podcast coach or that, that was a fork in the road where I'm sure you considered multiple choices and you walked this path. And having started this path, then the question you ask yourself is, how do I really get better and better and better? And that's a sort of a long-term pursuit. So my objective is to provide perspectives on both, both the where to go question and the how to grow question. So I try and at least that's sort of the boundary condition of the kinds of things I'm curious about. Now, within that, initially, my speakers were largely people from the Indian corporate world because that's where I had my relationships. But slowly, as the trust in the podcast grew over time, I've been able to access some of the leading thinkers in the, in the West from some of the universities and some of the other leading research organizations in the field I'm curious about. So back to your question about the process, step one is figuring out the speaker. Uh, which is, as I said, guided by my curiosity. Step two is really researching everything that's relevant to the podcast conversation, right? So typically, if the person... So we'll, uh, we'll definitely double-click on you know your process of finding the guest and researching because I think I would like to also understand the way that you research because you know the conversations that you have are really, really insightful and you know a lot of perspectives generally on that you know one-hour conversation or you know whatever the length of the podcast is. There's a lot and there's a lot of different, you know, unique perspective that you bring on the table. I want to double click on that in a moment, but maybe we can, let us say like the interview is there, right? You know, you have the, let's say one hour of interview with you now, then, you know, how do you go about breaking it into multiple parts and what does that process looks like? Maybe, you know, uh, yeah. Got it. So what you're saying is after recording the conversation. Yes. So that's a good question, uh, Vijay. So I 
See, what I've realized is if I keep it completely open-ended, then it makes it difficult for me to break it into nuggets. But if I make it question one, question two, question three, question four, till that, till question 10, then it becomes a very cold conversation. There's no warmth in the conversation. So I'm I'm trying to walk that tightrope and ensure it it's not too much of one or the other. It's kind of a balanced, yeah. So it's a, that's a tightrope walk. I need to uh, walk carefully. So I think each nugget. So so one thing I try and tell myself is I try, conversations at the podcast are typically about an hour. And uh, I try and tell myself I should find somewhere between six and 12 nuggets as I edit the conversation. So one thing, first thing I do is I get somebody to transcribe the conversation for me. Right? So the one thing I should mention is I have, you know, three people that are helping me. Two people, Akash, Diore, and Arman Bansod, they help me with the editing process. And there's a lady called Pinaz who helps me with the post-production process as well. So the first step is somebody, I get the conversation transcribed. Then I sit with the transcript and the audio recording and I say, what are the different pieces here? What are the different logical points here which can be sort of broken? And then mm -hmm. I take each piece and I there are three choices to be made. Stays, uh, is removed, or is part of a nugget. You know, there's, it stays as part of the full conversation, but not in a nugget. Mm -hmm. It's part of a nugget. Third is not relevant for the con. Sometimes you realize that you have conversation and you realize that there are some pieces which are probably not relevant for the listener it's sort of extra fat so i try and trim yeah. the fat and then i decide uh, you know if it's a part of a nugget slowly over a period of time i've created a few nugget uh, uh, nugget tags those are mm. the theme themes around which i organize my playlists and that's sort of and I did, those are like more than 20 themes i just you know i browse through your website and like yeah. 50 plus actually wow oh yeah that slowly grows over time. So initially, I started with 10 or 20. Then I speak to somebody about mindfulness. Then I realize, okay, there's something on mindfulness from the earlier guests and this guy. My next podcast I'm publishing is about conflict management. Now I realize that this lady is a specialist in conflict management. Plus, one or two of my earlier guests have spoken about conflict. So I will. there's a little bit of re-tagging of the past as well as you sort of form new tags. Sorry to get too nerdy about this. But mm -hmm. uh, it's basically taking a conversation, breaking it down, Figuring out what the tags are, seeing if they fit into the current tag structure, if you need a new tag, and slowly yeah. growing the library. And again, right, you break that down and maybe, you know, your editing team kicks in. The other thing that, you know, I was fascinated with when I went to listen to some of the playlists and, you know, some of the clips that are there on each of those playlists is it's not just that, you know, you kind of break that down and assign it a certain uh, part, right? Also, you add intro to each of these bits. So let's say if you are doing one podcast episode, then here's what it's going to look like, right? There is a one full conversation, which will have its own intro and outro, where you will introduce the guest and you will give a context to the entire one hour conversation. And you will also give the you know outro to that. And then there are, let's say, six different pieces that you or the insights that you kind of pull out from that then you are going to give intro to each of these six pieces and you're going to give topic. Almost it's like six mini episodes that you are creating, right? So these are like a six mini episodes that you are creating from that one episode. It's a one full conversation and six mini episodes. And for each mini episodes, there is an intro that you record and there is a key takeaways that you have from each of these mini episodes that you do, right? I mean, that must be a lot of time. It is a lot of work, Vijay. And sometimes I ask myself, is, it, is, it worth, uh, is there a return on investment of the time? But once again, I bring it back to the learning objective. To me, 
you know, one of my early listeners gave me the feedback that if you just publish the podcast, then that's like any other interview. The where you can differentiate yourself is if you're able to, you know, analyze it and talk about your reflections. You know, here's what he or she said. Here's how, here's what I think, given the nature of the work I do, or here's how it applies to my life. And you might want to think about it. So I felt, you know, in my consulting journey earlier in McKinsey, we would say what and the so what. You know, the podcast is the, is the what. Then I felt there was an opportunity for me to add a so what at the end of it. Number, uh, you know, that that's one thing. And second is, to your point about connecting the dots, I also felt if I'm able to miniaturize these things and I have a transcript, wherever I can, I try and break the monotony by bringing in another voice. For example, if I have an army officer talking about resilience, then if I've spoken to a triathlon coach talking about resilience, at some point, I try and bring that voice in to say, you know, by the way, here's what he said. This might be relevant. So I try and ensure that in one conversation, it's not just one vo- my voice and the guest's voice, but try and bring in other voices for people to get a flavor of what else is there, but also to connect the dots across the different uh, themes in the podcast. Yeah, really interesting. Also, one more thing on the key takeaways bit that you do, and I'm really curious about how do you really organize all of this, right? Is let's say there is this certain piece that you pull out from the episode on mindfulness, as you said. And then also on that outro bit, you mentioned that, hey, there were two other episodes where we know we kind of discussed about the mindfulness and maybe you want to check that episode out as well. So how does this organization and whole, you know, backlinking to the different bits happen? So I think initially we didn't have transcripts for the first 10, 20 episodes. I don't think we had transcripts. So we'd have to do it by voice. For example, I mm. tell my person, take the 15th minute and the 17th minute of the third conversation and insert it here. And he would go bonkers because, as you would know, the timing of the unedited clip is different from the timing of the edited clip. And then we just go back yeah. and forth. So I think having transcripts made it a lot easier where I'm able to plug and play a lot easier. I'm able to communicate uh, what I have in mind. So I think from a inside the clip perspective, we have these two-minute clips. I think as far as the external organization is concerned, tags is what is the organizing principle. Tags are the themes. If you click on a tag, then all the different guests who had a nugget on that tag will show up. I think the one thing we could do better, we are again, we are sort of in the process of rethinking whether our website is fit for purpose, is I think there's too much information. In one tag, sometimes there are 20 or 30 uh, conversations. Now, how do we really see what does Vijay want and serve what is uh, specific to Vijay. So is there a customer profiling we can do? You know, for example, if my child logs into Netflix, uh, he or she sees a very different screen from what I would see. So we are trying to think about how how we make it fit for purpose, but that's work in progress. Yeah. Now that, you know, you publish all of them as new episodes, like when you have one conversation that, that's going to go live, then... You are essentially, if there are six different pieces plus one entire conversation, then that's going to be like a seven episodes that that are going to release on the same day, right? You publish them at the same time. Yes. And also the lot of, right, as I said earlier, right? So none of the podcast listening apps as of now do support grouping or maybe creating a playlist for the listeners to kind of easily access to these conversations on the podcast player level, right? And you have this on your website, really beautifully organized, where I can just go and see, you know, what is it that I want to learn and I just can click on that playlist and there are 10 different clips and I can listen to 10 different pieces. But 
that's still not the thing there on the Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever people listen to. So what's been the audience kind of a response to the entire process like? And also, how does that reflect on the analytics when you go back and see the numbers? Like, I'm sure the completion rate of the clips are way higher because then people can quickly, you know, consume one piece. And then if they like, then they can move to the another and another. And they don't have to consume the entire conversation. Then they just can consume six different pieces and boom, they got the insight, right? One feedback a lot of people give me is I should think more like a publisher and less like a content creator. Unfortunately, I still think a lot like a content creator and not like a publisher, which is a, which is something I'm trying to work on. But uh, I would say one of the lessons least I've learned is in a world of abundant content, there's probably a greater role of contextual content. Let me explain what I mean by contextual content, right? For example, uh, you know, there's a book called uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting, you know, which is a Bible for all pregnant women. For about nine months of the pregnancy, almost most of the women who carry a child end up reading that book. And then what to expect when you have a one-year-old, there's another book. So for about 24 months of your life, that book becomes your Bible. But two years earlier and two years later, nobody might touch that book. But that book has a role to play at that phase of life. Similarly, I feel mm. given the coaching work I do, a lot of these clips actually end up becoming relevant coaching collateral. Right? For example, if I'm working with a leader where, let's say, listening is a, is a development area, then I'll say, by the way, why don't you listen to this nugget from how Narsimha Rao, the Prime Minister of India, used to listen based on my interview with the author of uh, his biography. By the way, there's a gentleman, Arun Mayra, who's written a book on listening. You might like this nugget. And they find it helpful. They find it contextually relevant. Right? Uh, they may not. Now, if I told him, go and listen to the one-hour conversation with the biography of Narsimha Rao, that's sort of, that's not a sharp targeting. I think I'm able to target it contextually given the coaching work I do. That's one. Mm-hmm. Second is also there are occasions which come up, right? For example, let's say Indian Independence Day. I'm, I had a chat with Dr. Ramachandra Guha, who's written a biography on Gandhi. Then it gives me an opportunity to publish, let's say maybe a nugget or some piece around that, around that for people to consume it. I realize that people warm up to certain themes around certain contexts. Women's Day, for example, one of the ta- one of the playlists is women's leadership. Mm. And I sort of publish that playlist around Women's Day. Uh, I won't say I'm doing uh, a scientific uh, job here, but uh, I think the broad point I want to make is having these nuggets and playlists uh, gives me an opportunity to be contextually relevant. For example, yeah. there's one playlist called Settling into a New Context where how leaders spent the first 100 days when they joined the company. So whenever I hear about a leader who's taken on a new role, I send this playlist. Hey, by the way, you might find this interesting, how different CEOs spent the first 100 days, and they find it of value because it has uh, you know multiple perspectives, including how Gandhiji settled into India when he moved back from South Africa. And they find that, that diversity of perspective very helpful in that context of having joined a new company. So that's, that's the way it's been helpful to me. Wow, that's really interesting. And also, and you mentioned this on, on our offline chat that this increases the shelf life of the content, right? Because if you just post the you know interview piece of the entire conversation, then a certain number of people will listen to it on maybe first 24, 48 or 72 hours of publishing the content. Uh, but when you do the playlist, then you are making it you know way evergreen content, which can be relevant for whenever you know it's just people want to pick this one insight. Uh, do you also create a YouTube playlist? Do you also tap into the YouTube for this? We've had the discussion and we've gone back and forth. I think what we were told was Google is the biggest search engine and the second biggest search engine is YouTube. 
uh, you should absolutely tap into it. But I think we've been constrained by bandwidth. See, finally, uh, my primary earning comes from the consulting work I do. And the podcast is a slow burn content creation play over over a long period of time, right? So given that, I also want to be careful about how much time uh, gets taken by this. So we did try a couple of things, but somehow we didn't quite see the, the traction and uh, we sort of backed off. But I'd love to learn from you, Vijay, if, if we should reconsider it. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, uh, you know, so from the conversation so far that we had, the takeaway that I had, and I'm sure for the listeners who are listening to this also kind of got the sense that when you kind of break it into multiple pieces, and uh, even if you are not posting them as a podcast episode, like if you are just organizing them, uh, them on a website, or maybe making a YouTube playlist, right, or with just a static image, if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a video recording of the content, just making a static image and putting the audio and, you know, breaking it into multiple pieces can really help for you to organize things in place. And hopefully now, you know, uh, let's hope, you know, the podcast listening apps also start supporting uh, for the creators to kind of curate them. Now you can do that. But again, you can find these different nuggets from your podcast and organize them into a Spotify playlist. And, you know, people can listen to it on Spotify. So Spotify allows, you know, you to create playlist for each of your episodes. And maybe that's something that one can do but again like for somebody like you who have 644 clips that's that's going to be quite a task to again go to spotify and rearrange the whole thing but yeah i think that's that's also another way to kind of do that yeah i mean that would be much maybe quite easier for the creators to go and change spotify playlist is i guess much more easier than going and you know editing on the website uh, and also for the listeners to consume yeah there's something i don't know so spotify does it give you the option to define playlists or do you need to pick from the playlist they already have no, you can create a new playlist and, uh, you know, you can add as many episodes that you want to add on that playlist and you can call it, uh, let's say, play to potential leadership series. And then, you know, you can have all of that. Then that in no way going to be connected to your podcast. It's going to be the separate link for the playlist. It's going to be a playlist link, not a podcast linked to a playlist. So that linking, once that happens, that would be great. Where, you know, play to potential, let's say your podcast can be linked to multiple playlists within that podcast when somebody let's say you know searches for play to potential and if somebody goes there clicks on it and then once the person is inside and if they are able to see multiple playlists and also maybe the episodes there then that would be a really interesting one right uh, but that's not the case so playlists are going to be let's say if you have 25 different playlists then that's going to be 25 different links for your listener maybe which can be listed on your website yeah so but yeah maybe that's that's something that people listening can give it a shot i have kind of tried compiling some of the best episodes of my show uh, into a playlist on uh, Spotify. So no wonders the amount of work that you have done 2018. Dizzy is podcast of the year 2018. So tell us a bit about that. Thank you. But genuinely, uh, it's something that came along the way. I think very early on, I think uh, you were one of the few people, I think 2018 was probably a runtime where people were saying, pod, pod what? You know, mm. even the notion of podcast was early. So I think it's helpful when you start off early. And I think that's around the time they possibly introduce the category. So I'm guessing not many people might have applied. And I think this, I remember people warming up to this notion of nuggets when we had applied for it. So we were quite, we were quite excited to, to win that award. I think we got an award for best innovation and in digital publishing. So I think it just tells you a little bit about how early it was, you know, even podcast as a category uh, in 2018. Of course, now in the last couple of years, we've had, Quite a few people 
coming into podcast production. And I think some of these platforms like Spotify have made it easy using things like Anchor for anybody to launch their podcast. For example, my my daughter launched launched her podcast. She's in grade five, so I just I can only nice. imagine the hundreds and thousands of uh, creators that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. Technological barriers has come down, but yeah, I mean that's Deepak being modest. Still, I as I said, right? I, I haven't like come across any podcaster in India who puts this amount of work to make it easy for the listeners to discover the content and consume the content based on what they want to learn within one podcast. So yeah, I mean. That's just you playing modest here. No, thank you. So um, going back to the interview bit where you were talking about researching over the interview, the person that you want to interview, I would like to understand what, uh, how long do you usually spend in researching a person and what does the research process involve? It varies from case to case, Vijay. In some cases, uh, my guest has written a book. So in that case, then I ensure that I sort of read that book cover to cover to me. I don't, I mean, a lot of these books have a half an hour or a one hour TED talk or whatever that I can sort of shortchange, but I find it helpful to immerse myself in the book. For example, Dr. Ramachandra Guha's book on Gandhiji was like a thousand page book. And I was never a big fan of history, but I treat it as an opportunity to learn and uh, really, what do I say, marinate in the thought for a while. I find uh, the experience similar to making pickles or kali dal. The more I sort of immerse myself in the topic, uh, then I feel like it sort of a more nuanced appreciation of what the topic is. So if the person has written a book, then I try and read the book, try and listen to two, three conversations that the person has had in the past. If the person is a professional CEO, then I try and look around for a few articles, which not just talk about the journey, but understand the transition points, right? For example, uh, one of the people interviewed was a gentleman called Atul Kasbekar. I saw a speech somewhere where he said, I studied chemical engineering. Then I quit to study photography, came back and became a photographer, now a celebrated photographer in Bollywood. Then he became a producer. So to me, given I'm curious about transitions, I was immediately intrigued. There are two, three very interesting transitions, which I thought I could double click into. So I sort of dug around those transitions specifically to see if I could find uh, any uh, material. And then that sort of gives me raw material for me to frame my questions. And I think uh, one of the guiding principles I try and use to the extent possible is when I ask the questions, uh, it should make the uh, the guest think. You know, there are questions which are off the shelf. You know, if somebody has written a book saying there are five steps to fitness, one easy way of saying is what is step one, what is step two, what is step three, what is step four, and it's like the the speaker will speak. But uh, asking a question, what was hard for you? You know, what have mm-hmm. you learned the most? So I'm not saying I do this. Uh, perfectly all the time but one of the things i try and do is when i finish the list of questions i ask myself which of these questions have an off-the-shelf answer and which of these questions will make the guests think and to the extent possible i try and populate my questions with the latter and less with the former so back to your point uh, the preparation process is typically one to three weeks depending on the amount of work i have to do also given the the consulting workload the one thing I realize is podcast, thankfully, there's no, it's not a firefighting context where it has to be done tomorrow. So one thing I told myself, a lot of people told me, for you to be relevant, you need to have a cadence, publish every Friday or publish every, you know, people should know this time, every week or every fortnight, an episode will come out of, you know, Deepak's podcast. But somehow I felt I started with that discipline, but I realized that in the pursuit of the goal, 
I was either compromising on my consulting work or I was compromising on the quality. So at least the choice I've made, I might be right or wrong, time will tell. I've said, let's forget about the frequency. Let's focus on having good conversations, which will lead to a healthy library over the long term. If I look back after 20 years, I should feel proud about the library. So I give myself the time to research. And if it, if it pushes out the next episode by a week or two, I don't, uh, I don't lose my sleep over it. Yeah. And also, uh, while you were sharing this, one thing that I can sense that really helps you in the entire process is having that clarity of what your podcast is and what it's not. And also maybe understanding who your audience are, right? So you have said that I'm going to do a podcast on leadership transition and career. And that being the focus, then it, I guess it makes your job much easier to kind of find those points where you can broadly focus on these three key topics and then maybe, you know, dive deep into some of those wherever you think, you know, some guests might have, as you said, right, you know, three different transitions and there's really interesting nuggets that you can pull out about transition. And maybe, you know, for some leaders, when you bring uh, them on the show, then, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole of different nuances of the leadership. And I think having the clarity of what your podcast is about and having the broader theme for your podcast, I guess it really helps. Thank you. I think so. Uh, when I was uh, preparing for Nandanila Kenny, I think uh, one of the questions I had was, how do you think about Infosys when it was like X to 10X, 10X to 100X, 100X to 1000X? So that was one series of questioning about how does your leadership scale as a company grows? The other was, how did you think about Infosys to Aadhaar? How do you think about Aadhaar to politics? Why did you quit politics? Mm. So at least anchoring around where to go and how to grow, at least has given me a mental, and let's say, architecture uh, around the kinds of conversations I can have. And I try and, to stay, I try and stay loyal to that framework. So Deepak, from the first episode to 72nd episode of your show, what are some of the lessons that you have learned as a conversationalist, as an interviewer? One thing is, I think the curiosity has its own rewards, you know, whether it's applied somewhere else or not. I just feel, you know, having been on this journey, I'm just much richer as an individual. Forget listeners, forget everything else. So I think uh, genuinely, you know, I was inspired to do this podcast uh, by a book, if I may share a small story, uh, by a book called uh, A Curious Mind by Brian Grazer. You know, he's a Hollywood producer who's produced movies like Beautiful Mind and... Uh, Apollo 13. And when somebody asked him, how does your creative process work? He said, every week or every two weeks, I just have a conversation with a totally different field, right? Somebody from a different field, a botanist, a geologist, nuclear scientist, an astrophysicist, and so on. And he says, sometimes when I do that over a period of time, the dots connect and patterns evolve. So to me, I think when I look at my journey, I feel, you know, the understanding of transitions I had when I quit my previous organization search firm and what I have now I feel it's a lot a uh, lot more nuanced thanks to the conversations that I've had along the way so that's one I think uh, the podcast has paid off just in terms of my learning and development right I think that's that's sort of lesson number one. Second is I think there's just so much to learn I just feel uh, you know the other thing I've realized is you know there is a benefit to playing the long game you know in a way, this podcast is also, since I'm sort of a solopreneur, where I'm sort of mm. running my own consulting practice, a lot of the coaches and a lot of the consultants I have got on my podcast actually are people who walked a similar path, you know, who have their own consulting practice, who built their personal brand. So it gives me a window into 
what my life might be like 10 years out, 20 years out, you know, when I talk to them. So to me, it has also been a, a peek into uh, what the future might look like if I walk this path. So I think from that perspective, the podcast is almost like an informal mentor network. Yeah. While I hadn't thought of that when I set off on this journey, I think I've learned a lot just speaking to some of these mentors who are sitting thousands of miles away. And the third I feel is just uh, in a world where there are a lot of people. See, for example, a lot of my work in coaching and uh, transmission advisory, there are quite a few practitioners in the space. I think creating this body of work has also made it easier for people to build trust with me as a person. You know, one of the listeners said, listening to your podcast is a bit like playing golf with you, right? which is like walking with you for an hour, playing nine holes. I didn't quite anticipate it or plan it when I started out on this journey. You know, and trust doesn't get built overnight. Even for me, if I look at the trajectory of trust over the last four or five years since I started the podcast, it's been the first two, three years were close to zero. But I think year four and year five, I feel it's been uh, slowly uh, inching up. And I realize the more I do it, I realize the value of uh, compounding. You know, initially the compounding feels small, but slowly as time progresses, I'm beginning to feel the compounding effect. Still early days, but uh, those are some of the lessons. Well, in the world where, you know, people are expecting results by releasing seven episodes, here is someone doing for four years, uh, still saying, still early days. What is your message to people who are already podcasters who are doing it for a while, if you have to pick up like, hey, I think, you know, these are maybe a few tips or advice or maybe, you know, just based on your experience that you'd like to share. And this is uh, a five-year-old advising a two-year-old about midlife, right? <laughs> so take it with a pinch of salt. It's been only four years. But uh, I think given the limited journey I've had, the one thing I would say is, I think over time, people are looking for authenticity in the voice. You know. I feel in a world of abundant content, uh, people can smell uh, salesmen from miles. So, you know, one of the one of the early conversations where I probably spoke a little bit about my advisory in a slightly different tone. One of the listeners came back and said, "You know, that felt like a that felt like a pitch, and that was like a water on my face." So, one of the things I would say is try and keep the editorial integrity and keep the authenticity in the voice as you go on the journey. Because finally, people come to you because they trust you. And they need to trust the intent behind why you're doing it. So try and keep that front, front and center and try and ensure the audience does not lose faith in that why. I feel mm-hmm. that's something I've learned. Second, as you rightly said, I feel anchoring it around a few core themes and staying loyal to those helps you to accumulate whether it's knowledge, nuance, you know, capability in a particular area. If you spray too wide, then the downside of curiosity is sometimes it can be completely wide. And, and there are people who've gone down that path, right? For example, there's a podcast called uh, 99% Invisible, you know? Yeah. Uh, Roman Mars. Roman Mars, right? Uh, he's gone the path of going completely across different topics and he's made that his positioning. So I think whatever uh, your approach is, I think, Clarify for yourself why. Second is stick with it. Whatever it is, don't move around. Uh, I think it takes two, three years at least uh, for people to say, okay, he's not a fly-by-night operator. He's here to stay. Maybe now I'll start Mm -hmm. devoting my attention. I think uh, people require 
I've, I've realized require a little bit of track record before they start committing attention to what you're creating. Third is genuinely, I feel, uh, at least in the, in the category I operate in self-help, I think the primary objective should be that you want to learn and you want to grow and then share it with the world. If, if you do it just because somebody else is famous, he or she has X, Twitter, X million Twitter followers or Instagram followers, I feel people are able to see through that uh, very quickly, my sense, over the long run. So, and these are, of course, biased by the way I see the world, but those are the two, three things that occur to me. Uh, absolutely, I agree. Those were like really great suggestions. Being authentic and podcast allows us all to be our authentic self and put our vulnerable self out there. And also like be transparent about like who you are and what you're trying to do, right? And you just, just don't have to put that mask because, you know, then you are going in a direction where you have, you need to continue doing that even when you don't feel like, right? So I was having a conversation with a YouTuber and, you know, where she talks about how she needs to put that mask in front of her audience, even when she's feeling low and she has to go on Instagram live and know how you have to kind of switch and show happy, bubbly face because that's uh, that's the personality that you have built online, right? So yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, you don't have to do that. And this is something that now, lately for me personally, I've started talking about this on the podcast and outside of the podcast as well, which is to accept your own flaws and, you know, to be okay with them and maybe, you know, obviously wherever you can get better, improve and work on it, but also at the same time, accept it, you know, instead of feeling bad about them. You know, at the end of the day, what I really feel is the quality of content that you put out really matters and the value that you're adding for the audience. And even if that's not the case, like as, as you said, you need to have a stronger why. And I completely resonate with, uh, you know, the sort of why that you have. And, you know, on our conversation, you mentioned that, hey, this is a learning and distribution where I'm learning and I'm kind of distributing it to other people who might find it relevant, uh, not being shellface of just keeping all of that learning to myself, but, you know, just putting out there, maybe, you know, some people might find it helpful. Yeah, it has been a great conversation, Deepak. Thank you so much for being on the show. For everybody listening, Deepak hosts the podcast Play to Potential. I link that up in the description. Make sure you check that out and don't forget to check, you know, this amazing playlist the book you know has curated for you guys to check that out and to let us know what you think on instagram on twitter thank you Deepak. thank you so much for being on the show thank you Vijay. and uh, once again thanks for all the support along the way and uh, look forward to uh, leaning on you as i move forward podcast unfiltered is a wine studio production the show is produced by me Vijay gautam and anushka pandey is their assistant producer Shrey Obrue is our audio engineer for the show. You can find other podcasts produced by Wine Studio by visiting our website, wine.studio. That is W-Y-N.studio or searching Wine Studio on your podcast app. I'll see you in the next. Mm-hmm.